Good morning. Always good to be here, but not always under these circumstances. But uh, yeah, Alan called me and said he'd had to be down at the ER all all night with uh, Janet, and obviously you guys know her physical situation. So she got with Jeff Baldwin and Owen, little Owen, their grandson, had that stomach virus. So I guess she got it. Of course, due to her condition, she can't regurgitate, if you want to use the proper term, so because it causes her a lot of problems. So when she started feeling bad last night, Alan had to rush her down to the ER, and they were giving her medicine. He called me about 4 o'clock in the morning. They were still down at the ER. So uh, I'm going to pray for Janet and pray for uh, all the others on your list. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. There's seven parables in Matthew 13. We obviously won't touch all those this morning, so don't worry. But uh, if I had a title, I don't really title messages or whatever, but this would... Uh, be like instruction in the kingdom. And why is instruction in the kingdom uh, so important in this dispensation? And I was, uh, as I came in, obviously I was greeted by a lot of the gentlemen that I've seen through the years. I've come over here infrequently, really. But uh, And uh, Brother Jerry and his wife came back and uh, said they'd been talking to uh, a couple. I've already forgotten their name. Okay, the Seaforts over at Go to Grace, and of course, I don't really know the Seaforts that well. Uh, I recognize the name, but uh, obviously, there's still probably about 500 people or something to go to Grace, so I hadn't. And uh, they've been instructing them in the kingdom a little bit, and of course, they're giving your typical response you get from most people when you start talking about that, that people that have been believers for years, and of course, the Seifers said, well, we've never heard that before. So I told, uh, told them we're going to talk a little bit about, in Matthew 13, and the parables, and then this message, instruction in the kingdom, why they've probably never heard that before in a, quote-unquote, fundamental church of today, which I would consider grace to be not a liberal church, but a fundamental church. But still, as in regards to the word of the kingdom, we're going to talk about why it doesn't really make any difference if you go into a fundamental church or a liberal church. You're still going to get the same uh, reaction if you introduce somebody to the word of the kingdom that they got from the Seaforts, and I get from a lot of people at <laughs> Grace. I did say I do appreciate Pastor Euler over there because uh, a lot of the staff, um, the church staff, has wanted him to uh, run our class on out of the out the out of the building over there, and he won't he won't do that. But he's not receptive to the uh, the message of the word of the kingdom either. But but he won't let him run us out the door. So we're still the last classroom on the right down the one hallway before you can go out the door. So they they put us all the way down there on the right. But we're still in the building, but barely in the building. But uh, Matthew thirteen fifty two. And what you, I don't know what versions you all have, but I'll read it. <clears throat> said, Then said he unto them, Therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of the heavens. 
is like unto a man that is an householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. That's Matthew thirteen fifty two. And a lot of your, I don't like to say, I don't know what translations y'all are reading out. I read, I, mine, mine is uh, the NASV. But even the NASV, I didn't read. I read that off of my uh, note sheet over here, and that's why I read the kingdom of the heavens. Most of your translations, just like my NASV says, And Jesus said to them, Therefore every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven, is how it's phrased there, is like a head of a household who brings out of his treasure things new and old. But in Matthew, the book of Matthew, that phrase kingdom of heaven is used numerous times. But in every instance, if you take it out of the original language, the Greek, it should read the kingdom of the heavens. Not kingdom of heaven as it is in my NASV and maybe in in your translation. It is articular. It has the article the in there and it's plural in every case in Matthew. The, the Gospel of Matthew. The kingdom of the heavens. It's a particular sphere of the kingdom. It's the heavenly sphere of the kingdom. There's one kingdom coming, right? But there's a heavenly sphere and there's an earthly sphere. And they were both promised to what people group eons ago? The Jews, the nation of Israel, obviously. They've, they're not going to lose their earthly inheritance, Okay. It's not going to happen. Church hasn't replaced Israel. Okay, they're not. But when Jesus came the first time, he came preaching the same thing that John the Baptist preached, the same thing that the disciples he sent out preached. Repent, for the kingdom of the heavens is at hand. It's articular and it's plural in every sense in Matthew. Every every time it's used, even though all, most of our English translations don't do that. They just say kingdom of heaven like it does here in the NASV. And he came offering them the heavenly sphere of the kingdom. Okay? There's two spheres, remember, one kingdom. And then what did the people of Israel do? They rejected it. Okay? All the way to the point of slaying the one who came with the offer. Okay? So they rejected it, so then one new nation was called into being. Okay, the church to be the recipients of that offer. And they were going to bring forth the fruit where Israel failed to bring forth fruit. So we see in the book of Matthew, in this message, I've, I said, like I said, I don't title messages, but if you want to say instruction in the kingdom, we're going to see why it's so important to become a disciple of the word of the kingdom. And so we go back to the beginning of Matthew, and there's seven parables in Matthew. And like I said, we won't get to touch and go into detail on all of them in one message. So don't worry about the pot roast at home or anything like that. But uh, Matthew 13 has seven parables. And the first four parables, starting back at the beginning of Matthew 13, give you a chronology of the church's response to the word of the kingdom in this dispensation. And you'll find that two places in the, in the Bible, in Matthew 13 and in Revelation 2 and 3. You have a chronology about how the church is going to go in relation to the word of the kingdom. The central message of the New Testament okay, is the word of the kingdom. Okay? 
That was universally taught in all the churches back in the beginning of the church. But then we're going to see what happened to the message of the word of the kingdom here in Matthew. So Matthew 13, 52 is where we started. It says, if you've become a disciple of the kingdom of the heavens or the message of surrounding that, the word of the kingdom, then you're like a householder who can bring forth things new and old. So we go back to Matthew 13, beginning of Matthew 13, where we start these seven parables. It says, that day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. And that's extremely important. You say, well, that's just a verse that says where he went from. But obviously you guys, you may have Alan might have even taught out of Matthew 13 before. I don't know. I mean, but uh, typology in scripture is extremely important. So it says when that day Jesus went out of the house... That term house is representative of a people group in Scripture, being the nation of Israel. Okay? So when it says that day he went out of the house, that meant he left the nation of Israel, and he went down and he, set, he was sitting by the sea. Now, the sea is also typical of a people group in Scripture, and that would be the Gentiles. Okay? So that little verse there starting off these parables is important. If you just overlook it and just read through it, then you're missing something that helps you understand the parable or parabolic teachings of Jesus, which is done in most churches today, as we've talked about before. They don't understand it. That's like when I've talked to our pastor over there, as I was talking to Jerry and his wife before, he's, he, I don't even go to him and talk to him about the word of the kingdom anymore, but... Uh, I have to ask him about, uh, you know, outer darkness before, or the darkness, the outside, as it is literally from the Greek. And he's, well, those two, the, 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 every time that the, that term is used, it's in parables. Like parables were like, I said, well, that's still the word of God, you know. I mean, it's not like the parables because you don't have, a lot of people have trouble understanding. They, they try to set them aside. Like, well, those are parables, so. You know, and that's the comment he made that day. Well, every time that uh, outer darkness is mentioned, it's in a parable. Like the parables weren't really the word of God or something. I don't know what he meant by that. But uh, anyway, they, he, Jesus left the house or he left the nation of Israel. He went down and he was sitting by the sea. Then in verse 2 it says, And large crowds gathered to him so that he got into a boat and he sat down. And the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spake many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. Now, these first four parables, I said, are going to give us a chronology of uh, the church's response to the word of the kingdom. Okay? And the first four parables, of course, is the parable of the sower, which obviously, through the years, we've all heard different messages taught by different people out of the parable of the sower. And then you go to the parable of the wheat and the tares, and then the parable of the mustard bush, and then the parable of the leaven, or the woman who put the leaven in the three pecks of meal. Okay, And so we're going to see this response. So it says, he sat down and he began to speak to them in parables. And the sower went out to sow, verse 4. And as he sowed, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places 
where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up. But because they had no depth of soil, when the sun had risen, they uh, they were scorched, and they became like they had no because they had no root, they withered away. And the third group says others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And the disciples, okay, now he was speaking from a boat, remember, and a throng of people gathered on the beach. Then after he delivered the, the parable, the sower, then you see in verse 10 it says, And the disciples came and said to him. So now this was his group of disciples. His followers came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And of course, literally, that should be the kingdom of the heavens again, from the original Greek. But to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing. And what people group is he talking about again? The nation of Israel, okay, the Jews says, you will keep on hearing and you will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. Okay, and he goes on down, talks about the nation of Israel, and they're not being, receiving this message of the kingdom of the heavens. Then go down to verse 16. He says, but blessed are your eyes. And who's he talking to again? His disciples had come to him and asked him this question. Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. Now, Jesus Christ is speaking here, all right, himself to his disciples. He's going to explain to them the parable of the sower. Verse 19. When anyone hears the... Word of the kingdom. Okay? So what's the seed being sown back in the first parable of the sower? It's the word of the kingdom. Jesus Christ himself said, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom. And then what comes, comes out of that is fruit bearing or not fruit bearing. So right there it should tell you, and I don't know how many messages you've heard through your Christian life on this parable, and obviously most of them before I became a disciple of the kingdom of the heavens, showed the first three people groups didn't receive it and they were unsaved. They didn't get saved and the last group got saved and they bore fruit. But the whole message, that's been, the seed that's being sown here is the word of the kingdom and we're talking about fruit bearing. Can a dead man come into play in any one of those areas? No, he cannot. Okay. Obviously, if a man's dead spiritually, he hasn't believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and been saved, 
The scriptures tell us he has no understanding of spiritual things. So the seed being sown here is the word of the kingdom. It was being sown to those who were already part of the family. Okay? They were already believers. So the responses we're seeing is to the word of the kingdom, not to the gospel of grace message, the simple salvation of, by grace message. It's the seed being sown here is the word of the kingdom. And three of the people groups did not bear fruit, and only one did. Okay? And the reason of that is, as we see as we go down through the parables, this message was the central message being taught in the early church, in all the churches it was being taught. Okay? And the importance of the message is, you can't come into a really good understanding of this book here unless you've been instructed in the kingdom of the heavens. That's why a person who hasn't spent any time in the theology schools of the day can have a better understanding of the whole of Scripture than the professor teaching in the theology school if he's been instructed and received the word of the kingdom and has come to be a disciple of the word of the kingdom, come into an understanding of the word of the kingdom. That's like I went to Tennessee Temple University years ago and was a Bible major, but one of the first times I spoke here, I don't remember how many years ago that was, and one of the older gentlemen that used to sit over here, I don't see him here this morning, but he came up and I think he'd actually attended a A. E. Wilson's church over in Red Bank years ago, you know, before that split all up. But uh you know, I gave him a little bit of my testimony before I spoke that first time, and he came up and he said, where did you get that teaching? Because I know you didn't get it at Tennessee Temple. And I said, well, you're right, I didn't get it at Tennessee Temple. But when I moved back from Florida, back home to Chattanooga 15 or 16 years ago, I struck up my our friendship with Alan again. Like I had, we were both from Indiana, and we, you know, when they came off the mission field before we moved to Florida, came back to Grace, we played softball together and this and that. So when I moved back from Florida in the mid-90s, you know, we struck up that friendship again. And Al and I used to sit down and talk a lot. And, you know, he asked me if uh, about, you know, this, that, and then gave me that big book by Dillo. Asked me to go read that. But uh, actually get more out of uh, Arlen's writings, Chitwood's writings, and A.E. Wilson's writings and stuff than I did out of that 600-page book by Dillo called The Reign of the Servant King. Anyway, he introduced, Alan introduced me to the Word of the Kingdom, and I was ripe for the picking. He knew from how, and God had used my problem with the Hebrews, really, in the warning passages in Hebrews, and I'd taken Hebrews classes at Temple and this and that, and I'd never got a good explanation from anybody, Bible professors or anybody, of what that, the warning passages in Hebrews. And I'd never accepted that professor-possessor stuff, you know, about their, their uh, explanation of the warning passage in Hebrews. So when we were talking about that one time after a Wednesday night over at Grace, then Alan said, hey, I got a book you need to read. And that's all it took. He just gave me that book, and I read it. And then I said, you got anything else on that subject? You know, and he just kept feeding me. I used to call Alan my librarian because he just kept feeding me uh books out of his library he had over at the house, you know, from Arlen Chitwood or A.E. Wilson's writings and other stuff. And I just kept reading that and then going back and reading through the scriptures and everything. It was just like a light bulb came on for me. But most of the time you're going to get the response that 
they're getting from the Seifords that I get from a lot of people that I try to talk to. But uh, it's all because Satan understands how important this message is in this dispensation for those who are in the church, believers. So we're going to see what he's done here is his attack is on that message. It was the central message of the New Testament. Like we said back in the early church, it was taught in all the churches. And so Satan centered his attack around this word on that particular message of the word of the kingdom. So we see what he did. First of all, said when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, Jesus said. So his first attack was on anyone hearing that message back in the early church days. He attacked anybody that heard that message. He was going to go after and attack it. So we see the response. It says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. Okay? It's just like when they've talked to the Seiferts. They say, well, that makes, that makes some sense, but, you know, they just don't understand it, so they, don't wanna, they can't wrap their head, head around it. You know, they can't, can't get a grasp on it. But it says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes. Well, who is that? Satan. Satan comes, it says, and he snatches away what's been sown in that person's heart. Okay? This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. Remember, they don't understand. They, they, you, give them, you give them the word of the kingdom message, you talk to them about the kingdom message, and they don't understand it. And that's just like we had a couple that's retired that used to live over in North Carolina that's moved to Chattanooga because it's between some of their kids. Uh, some of their family lives in Florida, and some of them lives up in Ohio or something. So they chose Chattanooga as sort of a central location. They started attending Grace, and uh, they started going around to different Sunday school classes, seeing what Sunday school class were they going to join. So about four or five months ago, uh, they just come walking into our Sunday school class. And uh, Brother Mark, was, uh, Mark Summers was actually teaching. He comes over here for Wednesday night Bible studies sometimes. So I'm sure a lot of you guys, men and women, know who Mark Summers is. But we rotate teaching over there in the Sunday school class, and it was his... His Sunday morning get up, he, was, had, he had the lesson that Sunday morning in Sunday school. But anyway, they came in there and we all introduced ourselves and they ate some of our breakfast food that the ladies rotate making and sat down there. And he was going on and there, well then when he got a certain part of the, the lesson, he said something that rose up a red flag in the, to the, to the gentleman sitting there. And of course he asked Martin and Mark said, well no, that's what commonly been taught, you know, and, that, and so, and of course they, uh, well, he, he's made a comment at the end of classes. Is there any other books on it? I said, well, i got a lot of books at my house. I said, I'll bring a book. Uh, and I live right there on campus, and I shut all the buildings down. You know, I live right by, by the Grace campus, and I shut all the buildings down at night. So I said, uh, I said, if you'd like, I said, I'll run over, get over to my house after the service this morning, grab a couple of books, and come back and, and give them to you, you know. And he didn't really respond, but he didn't say, no, no, don't do that. So I went over to the, after the service and got, got a couple of Arlen's books and uh, study of Scripture and, and Judgment Seat of Christ or, or something like that and brought him back. And, of course, I never found him. He didn't. I said, just, you know, if you'll hang out in the vestibule outside the auditorium, I'll come back and find you and give you these books. And he, he just, him and his wife left. And they've never come back to Sunday school class. 
Well, that's that group right there. They heard that, that some message surrounding the word of the kingdom. They didn't understand it. And they immediately just reject it. And they've never come back. Satan comes, snatched it, snatched it away. And they've never, wanted, never, never come back, tried to study any more on it or anything. They just, nope, didn't want anything to do with it. So then we get to the second group. It says, The one on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man that hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of what? Because of the word of the kingdom. Okay? Because of that word. Immediately he falls away. And we've had groups like that. And you may have had people that through the years that have just... Say, so, hey, let's check this church out over here off of Ringgold Road or whatever that may come wandering in the back door. We have that with, like I just gave that instance of the retired couple from Carolina. We've had others that have come to, come to Grace Church, younger couples, and they'll, matter of fact, we still have two couples, but one of them's not coming to the Sunday school class anymore, and it'd be more like this. They came probably over a year ago. And just wandered into our Sunday school class like the other couple. And there's this younger couple probably in their late 30s or 40. And uh, they started hearing the, the message we were teaching. And they, and they received it with joy. And they actually went to another couple in the, in the church. And said, man, you need to hear come and hear what they're teaching in this Berean Bible Seekers class back here. So then the next, you know, after they'd been a couple of Sundays, the next Sunday they came. Then here came Bill and Tina with them you know so they they were all in there and they were just soaking it all in well then all of a sudden another time when mark was speaking the one gentleman the first couple the husband thought he heard mark say something that he didn't agree with or something so then what did he do he goes to another guy in the church that he's known for years that doesn't have any understanding of the word of the kingdom and he says well do you believe this i said that and that guy well oh well of course not and he, they immediately fell away. And then that, that first couple had never been back to Sunday school class. Doesn't want to hear anything more about it. But now Bill and Tina are still coming over a year later. So that was a group, uh, that was a couple that would fit that, like that second group. You know, they, when they first heard the word of the kingdom message, they received it with joy and they got all excited. Man, we've never heard this before. And they actually went and brought somebody else. But then they heard something Four months later that, you know, then the guy and then Satan came in and used that and then they've fallen away. They don't want to hear anything about the message of the word of the kingdom. But then the other couple they brought with them is still there coming a year later. So, you know, God, God used that. But that's the second group. They immediately receive it with joy. But then because they come under some kind of affliction or persecution because of the word. Now, where does that usually come from? Other believers. You know. Comes from other believers in the church that don't have any understanding of the word of the kingdom. You know, they and he he thought he heard something. Instead of coming to the teachers of the class and getting a clarification on it, he goes to another believer in the church who has no understanding of the word of the kingdom, tries to get a clarification on that, and that goes that guy, where'd you hear that? You know. 
And so then he used that, you know, Satan uses another believer who has no understanding of the word of the kingdom to give a little infliction or persecution to that person who was trying to receive that with joy immediately at the beginning, and then they fell away. So that's how that, that works. And then the third group, it says, And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Then the fourth group, And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, or a heart that's been furrowed out, as, he said, as uh, the prophet said, the nation of Israel, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. So the first parable of the sower, Jesus said the seed was the word of the kingdom. And so Satan came in and he attacks anyone hearing the word. And he was success, successful in three out of the four groups. Only the fourth group bore fruit. Okay. So then we get to the second parable here, and we're going to see the parable of the wheat and the tares. So now, since he would, uh, Satan had attacked anyone hearing the word of the kingdom, and he was successful 75% of the time, if you want to use percentages, three out of the four groups didn't bear fruit. Now he's going to turn, and he's going to attack the ones who were bearing fruit. Okay? So see what he introduces now. It says, Jesus presented another parable of them saying, The kingdom, and literally again, it should be, The kingdom of the heavens may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. Now, who would that man be? Jesus Christ again. He sowed good seed in his field. Okay? But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came. Now, who would the enemy be again? Satan, obviously. His enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted up and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came, his servants came and said to him, Sir, do you, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? Gather the tares up, the worthless. <clears throat> but he said, No, for while you are gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. Okay? And in the... <clears throat> And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up. But gather the wheat into my barn. Okay? That's the second parable, the wheat and the tares. So Satan first attacked anyone hearing the word of the kingdom. And he's successful with three out of the four people groups there. Only the fourth group bear any fruit. Now he comes and he introduces a false message into the church. Way back at the beginning of this dispensation now, okay, through false teachers. He introduces a false message into the church through false teachers. And that's not to say those false teachers are unbelievers either, okay? 
just like he uses other church members today to discourage people from uh, from receiving the word of the kingdom message. He used false teachers in the church to pre- pre- presenting a false message way back then to stop those from who bore fruit in the first parable from bearing fruit. All right? He introduced a false message through false teachers. So then he had the tares come up. But see, remember then... He said, no, let them both grow together. And at the time of the harvest, okay, he said, that, then he'll make the separation then, which is the judgment seat of Christ, okay? The tares aren't unbelievers. They're just those that have received the false message and they don't understand the word of the kingdom and they're not bearing, you know, they, you know so he's introduced that false message to those who were bearing fruit. So those people stopped bearing fruit. So he first attacks anyone hearing the word of the kingdom. Then in the second parable, Satan's attacking those who bore fruit from the first parable. Okay, now we go to the third parable, the parable of the mustard seed. He said he presented another parable to them saying, The kingdom of the heavens is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is the smallest of all the other seeds. But when it is full grown... It is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the, so that the uh, birds of the air come and lodge in its branches. Okay? So a mustard seed is the smallest of all the seeds, and what should a mustard seed produce? What should it grow into? A mustard bush, right? It should be a mustard bush. A mustard seed should produce, and, and, and originally it, it took a normal growth, said so it becomes like a, a mustard, but, but then what it did, ended up becoming in the parable? A tree. Is that normal growth for the mustard seed? No, it should become a mustard bush, a mustard plant. It becomes a tree. That's abnormal growth. All right? So then what we see is this false message how it's affected it where the mustard seed became a tree. And then the tree, what does it say happens with the tree? The birds of the air. Well, who are the birds of the air? We'll go back to the first parable. What did the birds do with the seed in the first parable? Came and ate it, snatched it up. So who are they? They're ministers of Satan or the false teachers from the second parable. Just because you say, call somebody a minister of Satan doesn't mean they're an unbeliever. Remember what Jesus said to Peter? He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Was Peter an unbeliever or a believer? He was a believer, but what he was saying was what Satan wanted him to say in regards to what Christ was saying was going to happen to him. Remember? He said, no, that's not going to happen. Lord. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Peter was a believer, but he was doing the bidding, the work of Satan at that particular time. And these false teachers are believers, but they're doing the work of Satan by producing or presenting a false message. So see, then the mustard seed germinates and be, takes an abnormal growth and becomes a tree. So at the point that the, church, the birds of the air, the ministers of Satan, the false teachers from the second parable, feel comfortable coming and just sitting in the pew. Of the most churches, right? They're welcomed into the most churches now. 
the ones that presented the false te- the teaching. And that's what we've talked about before here. You can go into any church in the land, most any church in the land, fundamental or liberal alike, and you're going to sit there and not hear a message surrounding the word of the kingdom. The most central, important message in the New Testament that was universally taught through all the churches in the early church. But because Satan knows the importance of it and what it can do for an individual... Anyone becoming a disciple of the word of the kingdom can bring forth out of his treasure store things new and old. As you continue to study the scriptures, if you become a disciple of the word of the kingdom, you can, you can still understand all the things that you understood before, but then you can take those things and you can find new things that you understand about the word of the kingdom through your study of scripture. A person who's not a disciple of the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, can't do that. Doesn't make any difference if he's studied Hebrew and Greek and he teaches in a Bible college. Okay? If he doesn't have an understanding of the word of the kingdom, he can't come to a complete understanding of the whole of this book like any one of us can if we become a disciple of the word of the kingdom and fully come to an understanding of it through your study. So then we see in the third parable how that false teaching that was introduced in the second parable took its course and affected the church. And the mustard seed took an abnormal growth and became a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodged in the branches and felt quite comfortable doing it. So then we get to the fourth parable, the parable of the leaven. He said he spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of the heavens is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour or meal until it was all leavened. Okay? Now, three is God's divine number of completion. Okay? And leaven, if you go back to the first mentioned principle in Scripture, when was leaven first introduced? Well, we go all the way back in the Old Testament in Egypt. Remember when Israel was in Egypt? And before the Passover, remember what did he tell them they'd had to do for the Passover? They were supposed to take a unblemished lamb, remember, roast it and all, and they were supposed to eat it inside the house. And what were they supposed to do outside the house? Take the blood of the slain lamb and do what with it? They're supposed to put it on the lintel and the doorpost of the door. And when the death angel passed over, who was acting on God's behalf, right? If he saw the blood, he would pass over them. If he didn't see the blood on the door, then the firstborn would die. Because God required the death of the firstborn. Okay? So, then after the Passover meal, they were supposed to eat what type of bread with the Passover meal? Unleavened. So what were they supposed to do with the leaven? Put it out. Get it out. Leaven is a corrupting agent. And that was the first mentioned principle way back there in in, uh, Egypt. So leaven in the New Testament here in this parable in Matthew doesn't all of a sudden change and become a good thing. I've heard messages on that. They talk about how that's representative of how the gospel message is going to spread throughout the world 
and permeate all the world before Jesus comes back. Well, no, that's not what that means. Because leaven was a corrupting agent the first time it was mentioned in Scripture, and the nation of Israel was told to get it out. Remember, after the feast of the Passover, which is the first feast of the Jews, what's the second feast of the Jews? The feast of unleavened bread. How long did they do that for? Seven days. Seven is another complete number in Scripture. So in the antitype in the Christian life, after we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved, our Passover experience, for seven days or for our complete Christian walk until we either pass on or are raptured out of here, which is going to take place pretty quick, I think. But anyway, um, we're supposed to put the leaven out. Get the leaven out of our lives. Get the corrupting agent out for a complete period of time, which would be our complete Christian walk on this, in this earth. Our pilgrim walk through this world. So leaven has not all of a sudden become a good thing. And it's, and it's put in uh, three pecks of meal, which meal was used to make bread. And this book is the bread of life. Okay? So... They, God had uh, Satan had him introduce this leaven way back at the beginning of this dispensation again. All right. This dispensation has been going on for almost 2,000 years, what we call the church age, okay, in most churches. So this leaven was introduced and put into the meal, which would be was used to make bread. And, of course, this would have to be as far as what the beginning parable was out, because it, the message doesn't change to the parables, so it's still attack on the word of the kingdom. That particular message, that particular bread of this book. So he put leaven into that, and it said until what was going to happen? The whole became leavened. So you can see the... See the, the uh, once again, by going to any, into about any church, fundamental or liberal alike, as we've said before, in this day and age, what this has done. Satan's attack on the, word, the message of the word of the kingdom, which is the central message of the New Testament that all the churches used to preach back in the beginning of the church, in the first century church. But then Satan began his attack. And so now you can go into about any church, as we've said, and you won't hear this message at all. And the fact is, you can go. that's because you can go to any seminary anywhere, fundamental or liberal alike, and let the professors get up. They don't have an understanding of this message, so whether, what are they teaching all their, the Bible students in there? They're not teaching in this central message. So when they go out, graduate from their seminary, and go out and fill a pulpit in a church, they're not teaching that message. Okay, so basically what's happened is the church is slowly starving to death. And I'm talking about the corporate church, all right? Not Grace Baptist or Woodland Park or the, I'm talking about the corporate church, but you can talk, you know, go into any of those churches. You don't hear this message because it's not being taught in the seminaries. Okay, and it all goes back to his attack on the Satan's attack on that message. That's the central message of the New Testament, whether you go in the Gospels, the book of Acts, the epistles, or Revelation. The central message is the word of the kingdom. Okay? 
And Satan knew that, so he attacked that message. First of all, like we said in the first parable, he attacked anyone hearing the message. Then the second parable, he introduced false teachers presenting a false message to attack those that were bearing fruit out of the first message. First parable, I mean. Then thirdly, you see the, the, uh, the effect that false message and false teaching had on the message of the word of the kingdom is the mustard seed, which is a good seed. It germinated and the church grew. At first it was growing normally, and then it took an abnormal growth and became a tree, which it was not supposed to become at all. A mustard seed comes, becomes a mustard bush. But it became a tree, and then the birds of the air, the ministers of Satan from the first parable, felt comfortable coming and lodging in the branches, sitting in the pews of the church. They were welcomed into the church after the false message had taken its effect. Till we see at the end of the parable of the leaven, which is a corrupting agent, Satan introduced that through the false message way back at the beginning of the dispensation. So now 2,000 years later, the whole of it has become leavened. And in the church, in regards to the message of the word of the kingdom, okay, you just don't hear it anymore. And that's why when the brother Jerry and his wife were talking about talking to the Seifert, they said, well, this, this message makes sense. But, you know, if 98% of the church doesn't believe it, then how can it be the right message or whatever? Well, that's because 98% of the church doesn't believe it because... Satan attacked that message. Okay? So we see that chronology of the church's response to the message of the word of the kingdom right there in those first four parables of Matthew 13. Okay? The first, first early church, everyone heard that word, the message of the word of the kingdom, and Satan attacked it, so only a small group, the fourth group, one out of four groups, responded to it, understood it, and bore fruit. So then he attacked those that were bearing fruit with a false message, and a lot of them fell away. Okay? So the point that the church grew in an abnormal growth, and all the false teachers felt welcomed them to sit in the pews. And you don't hear the message anymore. Until you see in the fourth parable, the woman put the leaven in the three pecks of meal, and the whole became leavened. So you can go to any church in the land, fundamental or liberal alike, as we've said before, and you're not going to hear that message. And that's why they've never heard that message. That's why Dr. Euler won't respond to the, and I don't go to him and try to talk to him anymore about it. But uh, that's all due to Satan's attack because that is the central message of this book, this New Testament. And really, you can go all the way back to the beginning, which I know we've talked about before. If you don't come to a correct understanding of the first 34 verses of Scripture, all right, Genesis 1, 1 through Genesis 2, 3, if you don't come to a correct understanding of the first 34 verses of Scripture, which is the foundation, it's the skeletal framework of all this book that God's given to us, His revelation, then you can study the rest of it till you're blue in the face and you're not going to come to a, a good grasp of it if you don't come to a correct understanding of the first 34 verses of Scripture. That's the same thing in the New Testament. If you don't come to become a disciple of the word of the kingdom, if you don't become to a correct understanding or an epinosis, 
Okay, a mature knowledge, that's the Greek word for mature knowledge. If you don't come to a mature knowledge of this message of the word of the kingdom, you can't understand the whole of Scripture. But when you do become accept it and come to an understanding of it, then you can have a better understanding of the whole of Scripture than the guy standing in most pulpits or the guy standing up in a seminary class and teaching all of his seminary students. Once again, I appreciate your attention. Always feel welcome here. You don't have, you know, because we're of the household of the faith. Okay, that's all articular, which is left out a lot of times in the New Testament in your English translations. It's a particular faith or belief. Okay, it's a belief, a faith or understanding of belief for the word of the kingdom. All right, so it says always to extend that. I always feel welcome coming to another group of believers that accepts and understands the word of the kingdom. So that's, but I, like I say, I hated I had to come because Janet went through what she went through last night. But it's always good to be here. Let's close in prayer and then Brother Jerry can come up. Father, we just thank you for this day, this opportunity to freely gather here as a body of believers and to open your word freely. We pray that each one of us here today would have eyes to see and ears to hear. Pray that you would be with Janet now and just heal her body and be with all the others we've mentioned in the prayer prayer request earlier. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.